0: feature presentation welcome to the eighth best movie podcast in canada yes it's the untitled movie podcast episode 130 i am one of your hosts matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes but he is tomato meter approved eric marchin
1: Oh, are you a coke zero boy uh no this is just a regular coke because uh my delivery order was screwed up it was originally a diet every
0: every time dude every time i we do walmart 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 welcome to uh, walmart uh grocery orders um a lot and it fucks up at least a quarter of the order every time like even the approved substitutions um or you will get like random things that i didn't order one time they gave us like 20 packets of ramen didn't order a single (laughs) packet of ramen i just got like a bucket of ramen Um, what flavor
1: or was it like a sword it was like
0: shin ramen which is good ramen um for instant ramen but we got like 100 packs of ramen in our thing now and i don't have it that often because it's just like it's good it's just like it will literally just give you a heart attack with how much sodium is in it. Um, not That being said, I ate a hamburger and have mustard all over
1: my shirt today. So um, that's how my day is going. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, Matt. Uh, it's been a busy day for us. Uh, we'll talk more about the films individually, but we saw our first two in-person uh, pre-TIFF press screenings today with holy spider and triangle of sadness even i can't talk um so we will get into uh, deeper discussions on both films individually and they will be movies where we will have a video component where we're actually talking and you can see us um we should probably talk about that now then since since mm-hmm. you know, uh, it was brought up, but also you brought it up on, on uh, Twitter and the social medias. And it's just easier to probably maneuver overall.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a good segue. Yeah. We started screening TIFF movies, everyone. Uh, Eric's watched three. I've watched two. I might watch my third tonight. Um, we'll have reviews of those um, either dropping. Yeah, we're holding a lot of stuff because um, you know, PR people are asking until um, you know, they premiere at the festival or, or close to when they premiere. Um so stay tuned for all that. It'll be a mix of stuff. So anything Eric and I pre-screen over the next uh week or so, uh we will pre-record before uh the festival and you'll have both in your normal audio version on on podcast services, your normal video version on YouTube. Um and then that's where things uh kind of get a little weird. So if you guys have been long-time listeners or in 130 viewer, episodes, baby. Um if you're a viewer the uh, God, we have like almost four we have more than four hundred reviews too um uh if you listened for a long time, you know uh when we did tiff back when we first started the podcast, uh we did audio only at that time we didn't have a YouTube channel, so we kind of did a running gun style of recording reviews on our iPhones where Eric and I would each just use our own phones, we would <laughs> sync it up, and then uh we'd throw up the audio version um we're gonna do that again this year so even with the youtube page and the video version of the podcast um it will just be way too hard for the amount of movies you and i see and how much we're just out throughout the whole day to actually do like come back record eric's not even going to be going home he's staying with his brother so he can't record Shout there out to kyle the nope episode many- there's many reasons uh, why it's just a pain in the ass. So, what we're going to do is just put up audio versions, except we'll still put it up on YouTube for people who do uh, watch our reviews on YouTube. We do feel like during TIFF, especially, we get a, a little bit more eyes on it. So, we'll do video intros and then we'll kind of just drop into uh, an audio version of the podcast. Not ideal for YouTube. Um, that might turn some people off, but um I I think it's a good compromise kind of is like we're two guys, remember? Like it's we don't have a whole team or anyone. It's just me and Eric. Um and I do a lot of the back end stuff and I just can't reviewing movies, um, seeing movies uh, doing, every, I'm going to try to do a lot of prep work in the next week or so um, to get everything ready, but um, this just made the most sense. We could have recorded video on the spot and things like that, but I feel like that just overcomplicates things and i like this i like the sound quality from our two phones even with background noise and stuff so i, I think that's the best case scenario
1: yeah it adds a little flavor uh to the the festivities the if you will um which is which is a lot of fun and we do appreciate people you know like reaching out and volunteering to shoot video we would never yeah, want to do that. Um, yeah andrew feigle who we really need to get on the show at some point soon oh i would um, love
0: for him to be a part of this more often I just I also I'm like you where I'm like I can't Offer anyone anything? It's yeah, like, ex- same. So and, it's and, like me and you share these, yeah. share this. So it's we don't mind doing it.
1: Yeah, and and it, and as much as we would love to pay people, we can't. So you know, like having it be our responsibility is one thing, but but asking somebody to do something for free or the experience is another. And it's just kind of nah. like you know, we appreciate people listening. We appreciate people volunteering you know um andrew if we run into you and we're reviewing a movie that you've seen and you want to join in on the conversation you're more than welcome to if
0: anyone sees us recording jump on and that happened so many times in 2019 when we uh did the festival and some of them weren't even film people (laughs) they were just friends yeah um so it's funny like and that stuff will all stay in there it'll be pretty uncut just because i don't uncut gems uncut gems um yeah so i'm excited man it started today already but um today felt like a dip your toes in day we did two films i still felt i got home at five and uh i'm i was still tired but (laughs)
1: yeah i feel a little rusty you know like even sitting in, Mm -hmm. in the theater watching triangle of sadness which was our second film it's a longer movie you know and 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 not that Holy Spider is is short, but you know, you you kind of feel it a little bit, and and like, even though we had nice seats and we were in a a decent theater in terms of just... Should have ordered one of those fish bowls. I (laughs) got this, the Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, kind of like aquatic, you know, treasure 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 chest kind of uh, bowl Uh, again, I apologize, I feel like after watching two movies back to back and then like racing home, I'm kind of in this daze, but yeah, it, it, it was one of those things where it's like okay, like it's good to, you know, at least watch one thing uh, every day leading up to the festival. Two or three would probably be more ideal just because, like, you look at uh, September the 8th, you can go to Tiffer and you can look at our schedules, both Matt and I's, and it, it'll obviously change. <laughs> if you um, want to stalk us during the festival. But, you know, we're seeing at least, what, like four or five movies we in We have a lot of four day. movie days. Yeah.
0: A lot of four movie days, which is just... We don't learn. Here's the thing. Eric, we never do. <laughs> like each people year, don't come like, here to learn. <laughs> each year we're like, maybe we cut it down. That way we, you know, we don't, you know, destroy ourselves throughout those ten days of being like, you know, maybe we see two or three movies a day and review stuff and have some time. Maybe go to parties or something like that. Even that sounds exhausting. But like I I don't know. I, I Obviously we love it. That's why we jam pack our schedules. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind. We'll figure it, figure it out. We'll find time to record and we'll find time to post. Like if things are, you know, I don't, I don't, the thing about the festival with multiple screenings and stuff like that is like you're, review doesn't necessarily have to go up right away like it's still going to be relevant by the end of the festival and even um, afterwards
1: like a, a lot of these movies aren't coming out during the festival there is a few that are but for the most part you can even bank some of this stuff i mean like when it comes yeah. to interviews specifically like you know we are not an. keep interview- talking i'm going to
0: turn on the microwave for nevis she's coming in a couple
1: of <laughs> All right we're not an interview podcast per se but we do do the occasional interview and if we can you know find some time scheduling to do a couple, we will. Um, And a lot of those are usually banked until the week of release for a film. So, you know, keep that in mind as well. And, and, you know, we also have to sleep and eat uh, at some point. Um, You know, we've got some really exciting- yeah, I, I'd say so. And and I yeah, mean, we
0: got some cool stuff coming up. We got the Barbarian interview with yes. um, uh, Zach Kreger. Um, we might have a second one. Maybe that gets put into one bigger interview. Um, you know, there's a Last of Us Part One uh, review, which is the remake to the original Last of Us game. That will be a review discussion and uh, conversation about the HBO series. So Eric's going to join me for that. I will talk about my experience with... Uh, the Last of Us Part 1, as well as my feelings of, you know, everyone knows my feelings, but my feelings on that first game and how it's going to be adapted in that HBO show. And um, if the remake, if you should play the remake before the series, that's going to be my main kind of statement of that review. So that'll be going up the 31st if you're listening to this it's probably already up or it'll be up in the next couple hours so uh keep an eye
1: out uh for that we also have cobra kai season five which we'll have a review for that which i think will be a lot of fun to talk about and also again you know we'll we'll have to break any
0: embargoes but i'm excited to talk about
1: it we'll have the review for barbarian as well i still have yet to see it and i will be catching up with that shortly and as mentioned we'll have a ton of pre-tip stuff already recorded which will have you know YouTube video content as well as the traditional audio um, options so you know, there's there's a lot of stuff coming. You know, we've been on and off a little bit throughout the summer. But, I mean, the last month, there hasn't mm-hmm. been too much with the exception of the rehearsal, which just recently ended. There's been nothing, dude. And I got to say, though, that ending of the rehearsal, oh boy, oh daddy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> quite literally. I mean, we might as
0: well start there. Um, I don't want to give anything away. The beeping is the microwave being finished. I made a, a beautiful... Spaghetti and meatballs last night, and Nevises have it in leftovers when she gets home. So you'll see her come in if you're watching the. Because when you're virgin. at Matt's,
1: your family. Um, <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, the rehearsal is wild. What a great TV show. What a great piece of art. Um. What a maniac, and um. It, it's just it's so good. I, I don't even want to talk about it too much because if people haven't watched it, they should just go watch the rehearsal.
1: Yeah, six episodes. Cringe comedy, meta humor, um, part doc, part scripted. It's an art installation in its own right. It's hard to categorize, but it is such a fascinating series to dissect and discuss. And you're just thinking to yourself... How the hell did he pull this all off? You know, Nathan Field And that they
0: greenlit him for a second.
1: season. Which is amazing. Which considering what's going on right now at Warner Brothers and HBO Max and your Warner Brothers Discovery or whatever it's called now, it's just amazing that, you know, this got a season two. Um I haven't watched uh the first two episodes yet, but Matt, have you at least seen the first or and second episode of uh, House of Dragon?
0: I have, yeah. So, I mean, just sticking with rehearsal for a sec. Um, Wanted to go off from one
1: HBO show to another.
0: We will, we will. And then we have lots to talk about today. Fan Expo, a lot of Dragon Ball. (laughs) So uh, strap in um yeah the the rehearsal i think definitely stuck the landing um it is if you guys want a, a deep conversation about it go not a deep but a deeper conversation go to last week's episode which is episode 129 i'm pretty sure errol morris listened to that uh episode and wrote an article exactly what
1: we were talking he's a huge fan so, of this show i think he's um, our sorry alex reno earl morris is our new number one i interviewed him once i think didn't i for think the unknown
0: 13th Yeah, I think so. Um, And uh, yeah, I I think it it is genius. And I think everything we said last week of whether it's real or fake or partly real, which is I think it's a little bit of everything, um, makes it just absolutely spectacular. Um, Yeah. And then uh, House of the Dragon, I have um, really been enjoying. Um, I, I do think like, you know, I'm in a weird spot because I'm not like everyone else where I watched Game of Thrones for seven, eight years, however long it was on from the beginning and had that heartbreak in, those la- in the last season especially, but maybe those last couple seasons um, where my heartbreak came in a matter of moments because I watched basically every season leading up to that final season and then watched that final season uh, with everyone. So, you know, I was left with a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth from that original Game of Thrones series. Still really enjoyed it overall, I wouldn't say like I was a huge uh, Game of Thrones fan or anything after that, but I was excited to kind of check this out. I think some of the trailers sold me and um, I've really enjoyed those first two episodes. So it takes place over 150 years before uh, the events of the Mad King um, and Daenerys being born. Um, so it's about the Targaryens mostly, but you do get kind of the other houses. Um, it kind of deals with Westeros at that period of time when the Targaryens are kind of ruling um Westeros and and yeah I my favorite part of Game of Thrones was always the politics and the scheming and the like everyone going behind each other's backs and trying to one-up each other and you definitely um get a lot of that in the second half of the first episode and a lot of the second episode, the beeping is going to keep going until (laughs) Nevis comes home. So the meatballs are ready. Um, I wish it just did that once. Um, Yeah, man, I I think game of Thrones is back. This feels like good game of Thrones more than the last season. Um, And I feel like just bringing in some, you know, fresh blood uh, to kind of put their spin on it. I know it's still George, R.R. Martin kind of is based on one of his books and he's still very much involved. Um, but bringing in new showrunners and a brand new cast, I think injects some new life into it, even though it feels very familiar. Um, and I've really liked, you know, Patty Constantine and Matt Smith and, um, and, and the entire cast is very, very good. There's Neva. She can have her meatballs now. <laughs> um, um, uh yeah i've really enjoyed those first couple episodes the one thing i will say the first episode no theme it just goes shows you a dragon logo and gets into it a lot of dragons on this episode a lot I of dragon Ball Z. um and then the second episode it kicks into the intro and they use the same theme like the exact same thing they don't remix it they don't slightly change it it's just literally the game of thrones theme and With a new kind of animated uh,
1: intro, I guess it's like Um, Star Wars, right? Where like you're you're keeping a lot of like the John Williams music kind of consistently the same and not really adding anything, even though like people like Michael Giacchino have contributed. But you know, like you still have
0: the main theme. I get what you're saying. That's a totally fair point. But I feel like. I get that. In a movie, I guess they're, set, they're episodes of the same series in, 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 the same in Star Wars, right? But Rogue One doesn't have the same intro or, you know, it, it does play during the credits, I guess, and things like that. And is the overall Star Wars theme. So I guess this is the overall Game of Thrones theme. Um, I just expect, I guess, on a TV show to have a new intro and a new theme song. Um, I guess not that that intro doesn't completely rip it's awesome like that song is great it's iconic i get why you just do that like um but i feel like part of me was like mm, would have maybe rathered something even if it sounded almost the same and you just twisted it a little bit to make it its own thing i would have been that's a weird thing to be very focused on for a minute but well, like well, i, mean, I it, think it, it, the show itself dude you're gonna i think you'll like it if like i, I know you were really enjoyed most of the series like i did mm-hmm. um, heartbroken
1: I, because of all that time you know spent watching I, that last season's real bad yeah
0: um but i've really enjoyed it like the behind the scenes scheming and like that really battle for the throne kind of thing and even though it's going to be very internal with the targaryens but you still get the other houses trying to get in there Um Reese Fonz as the hand is great as well. Like um um, there's so many like the the cast, I'm thinking who's the young woman who
1: plays um uh well you mentioned Patty Constantine, who I really do like as an actor, but every time I see a promotional still or a clip with him in it for the show, I think of the Californians from SNL just because (laughs) of the blonde hair hair. and the look. The wigs are bad. The
0: wigs are bad um
1: i matt smith is getting a lot of buzz off the show he's Olivia great. Cook, he's
0: very good as uh, he, she's not in it yet so um basically the two um it's gonna jump ahead in time at some point or maybe it'll jump back and forth but uh, millie alcock plays a young renera targaryen and then emma darcy um is going to play the older version and then um Emily Carey is playing a young Allison Hightower, and then Olivia Cook will play the uh, older Allison Hightower. So um, they the older versions haven't come in yet, um, but the two younger actresses are just uh, absolutely crushing it. Um, yeah, Matt Smith very good at just playing like a sleazeball kind of asshole um less dancing though than in morbius right yeah less dancing but um he's been great and i love that battle between these two brothers that they're kind of setting up and
1: um yeah man i'm i'm very intrigued i'm i'm kind of all in yeah going back to the to the the intro though just for a second i i think i understand your criticism because like again you know, you think, think that TV,
0: like, if you have a spinoff, it's not the same theme, right? Like, no, if, no. If Joey had the friends theme or fucking, <laughs> it would have lasted that, like, more than a season. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like that's, I guess I just expect it in television. If you're doing a spinoff or a, a sequel series or something like that, that it would be like, I know it's about the same houses and things like that. It's the same, it's still Westeros. It's like, it's still within the same timeline. So it's like the star Wars prequels using the star Wars theme. I totally think you made a great
1: point there, but right. Well, even, even the other point I wanted to quickly make, like, I mean, although this is a show that I'm sure had a lot of pre-production time and figuring things out in terms of, you know, the, the score and themes and, and just putting in the work, but I also am not against a show Figuring out what it is as it goes along, even within the continuity of an already established world. So, like, I think of, like, again, it's not it's not a prequel or anything, but you look at the first couple of Bond movies, they didn't have the opening title credit sequences. You know, Dr. No and From Russia With yeah. Love didn't have the iconic, you know song and, and, and sort of, you know, vignettes that appear on screen. That wasn't until uh, Goldfinger. So, you know, like a lot of people forget that sometimes things take time to kind of find their footing, even if it's something that is within an established environment already. Like even just like talking about like a podcast, even like, you know, when you, when you go back to listen to a first episode of a show you love, um it's not necessarily you know completely intact or what it's become you know it's over time it kind of oh, sure we into did a brand thing. change
0: we did the whole like our i look at our original art and i'm like man i was a lazy bastard i'm like those are ugly those are still better um, than a lot though i still think I like like
1: i like understand like new technology you also become more skilled as you just kind of like play around with things but yeah like you know when you go back and and look at how things begin and where they end especially totally. in tv shows like it's always i think it was either you or nevis that mentioned it when you guys were rewatching lost that there's a lot of characters that you're so familiar with that don't show up until like season three or four that kind of feel like oh something's missing from those seasons that you're so used to by the time you get to the end yeah people series. who became
0: who become main players but they weren't there at the beginning and things like that yeah no i i you know i don't know if that's the case for house of the dragon because it does have that established universe that it's kind of uh, building and i think better call saul uh did a good job with that too of like Kind of what you're saying, but in an established universe of still figuring it out as as they went, but then still really making it fit and build on that original show. So I'm hoping House of the Dragon does the same. I don't necessarily need everything to like tie to the events of the original game of thrones series like i'm assuming this will go up until the moment of the targaryens kind of fall and things like that like that's not a spoiler we know how game of thrones starts but uh daenerys is the last of her basically of of her name and so i i think people who kind of shit on prequels i feel like yeah it's just because you've seen a lot of bad lazy prequels is like the ones that literally have to just spell out things that were referenced in the original or, or, or things like that. But like I feel like the best prequels take that original and make that thing even better because they show something that a detail that adds to something you knew about or something like that. So I don't know. I'm I'm pumped for House of the Dragon. I thought the there's some crab people in the second episode. I'm like, oh that was a South
1: Park reference. Okay. Um, like that yeah. I was wondering why you posted that. So
0: Yeah, I um is i don't know if he's a crab person and that's not a spoiler either because it's out of context who who? The, i don't even know what the hell these things are um but some crabs were eating some people and then there's some dude that looked like a crab people so i'm like all right cool
1: you're in um, well, well the other thing i wanted to mention with the prequel thing i mean obviously like the star wars prequels specifically i think that's kind of synonymous with a lot of of fandom in terms of disappointment and interest and, and sort of like the the blueprint of what not to do when when making prequels. But the thing I also I keep thinking about when you do a prequel series that Jay Cheel brought up in Film Junk that was really spawn on is that you are somewhat tied to the continuity of You know, the films that will be coming. So Mm -hmm. when you're in a situation that's, you know, life or death, and one of the characters, you know, should kill the other one, um, and leaves them behind, I'm being cryptic on what I'm talking about specifically, because it's for the good of the rest of the world. Um you you you're you're tied to the continuity of well this character has to remain, right? So it's it's yeah. it's harder to But kind the of...
0: best versions get around that, right? Yeah, and but, they like But
1: Obi-Wan Kenobi horror, yeah. uh, Spoiler, that's the show I was referencing, where like the whole like the the fight between Obi-Wan and Vader, it's like Obi-Wan realizes that you know, Anakin has having become Vader is a threat to the universe, and it's like, well, you should have stopped him then and there. And it's I like- do, but there's
0: a lot of history there. Like, I get why if you became evil all of a sudden, dude, I, I couldn't just necessarily throw away. I, I get it, but like, say if I see your half fucking, you're you somehow wear a mask now, and I see half your Eric face and half your <laughs> your your Darth Marchan face, and then like I'm like I don't know if I can kill you. In I would... And I would you're,
1: you're my brother, Matt. Matt, <laughs> please finish me off. I beg of you. I
0: know you would want that, um, but, um, but it just it's I, just I, I the, the it.
1: continuity. Like yeah, the con- like again, Better Call Saul does a great job at
0: still. Feeling like there were times where I'm like, I know these characters survive, or at least some of them do, but they made me feel tension in that scene. Or it's not necessarily the character that I know survived that I'm afraid for. It's the new characters that they introduce. And like, that's the kind of, um, you know, you don't want that suspension of disbelief to kind of get too far. It's like we talked about it, you'll see in in the Barbarian uh, interview of like, you kind of have to control you need your characters to do one thing, but you still want it to feel believable and you got to earn like, it. You, and you do have it. to earn it. And a lot of times things don't. And then that's why they kind of crumble. So, so far, I think it's a far enough away in house of the dragon being a hundred plus years, even though in these fantasy shows, it's like, I don't know how long people live in this universe. Like, I don't know. Like, is that, is this character going to show up? Because, humans in westeros live 150 years like i don't know um i have no idea even though Uh, i have no idea yeah i know but you uh, mentioned
1: better call saul and that series also just wrapped and and how did you feel Mm -hmm. about that season finale
0: um i thought it was great dude like i i think it is again um one of the most perfect prequel things i've ever seen and i think they did a great job of being both pre-breaking bad during breaking bad and post breaking bad that just made such a good use of the premise and like uh it's like i said i feel like a lot of the times people can get hung up on a prequel series or show being like know how the characters end up so who cares and it's like well there's a good use of it is like, well, you don't know how he ends up. So we're going to put a little bit of a breaking bad sequel in here, but we're only going to tell you about 10 minutes per season until the last three episodes. And then we're going to give you that. And then like the lead up of like, you know, this guy becomes Saul Goodman and then you're like, do we really care how he becomes that? But the show did such a good job of making him such a tragic, kind of sad character that like everything Jimmy McGill, the show is mostly Jimmy McGill leading up to that. And then he's really not Saul Goodman for that much of the show. Um, and they did such a wonderful job to recontextualize that character in Breaking Bad. Like now, if I went back and watched Breaking Bad again, I would view the Saul Goodman character completely differently because of seeing better call Saul and I think when they made Be- uh Breaking Bad that's obviously none of this stuff was maybe a little bit of his backstory was known just for character reasons for you know um just even Bob Odenkirk playing him and and, and things like that but like that can go of two ways because it can feel like a retcon because you're like oh okay well that's obviously not what you were thinking when he did that thing in Breaking Bad but then you wrote this thing that kind of changes that and that is a retcon but I feel like that can unless you're just changing something for the sake of changing something like it it needs to add to the character and I feel like the best stuff does recont- recontextualize that original thing and I think Better Call Saul does that so wonderfully and then gives you closure to a lot of stuff from Breaking Bad like um, because it does take place you know now that we've seen how jesse ends up we know how walt ends up at the end of the series we got the jesse sequel movie and now we know how saul ends up and i i just feel like man there were times where that show would be like grippingly intense and and even though you kind of know where that character ended up and i feel like those moments were what made you go oh shit i'm gonna view that moment in this series differently and like it's not really a spoiler but basically everything in that series um makes you go oh this is why he was Saul Goodman and it's more sad than he was this kind of just ridiculous lawyer like he was kind of you know very sad deep down and he used this to kind of just deal with all of his pain. Um, and then just kind of dove deep into that because of all the things that he had to deal with in better call Saul. So, um, I don't even think you need to watch breaking bad to enjoy it. I feel like you'd get way more out of it. And I feel like the last few episodes, um, do really deal with, you know, post breaking bad, um, you know, consequences for the characters, but I think it was a good ending for that character. Uh, all three of those characters I mentioned had different endings and I think they were all right for those characters. So, uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Really, really, really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do like Vince Gilligan. Um, he seems like an interesting enough guy and, and, you know, having talked in, in early episodes of this show and I think even on movie night, like, about you know his work on the X-Files like it's just interesting to see his progression because again that's where you know he first worked with Brian Cranston on yeah. that episode Drive so um he's supposed to be
0: doing a sci-fi show next right which will be interesting twilight zone or something um
1: yeah yeah, just to see where he goes after all of that like i'm sure like you know like him and bill Hader um are two guys that are really in demand like after you know barry's Barry
0: reminds me a lot of breaking bad but even better i think
1: (laughs) yeah the way that barry kind of like starts off as one thing and then it has this permutation kind of thing and it kind of morphs into something completely morph. morph into something completely different and then it takes you by surprise with how you know much of an influence it has in sort of classic cinema and international cinema and it's pulling from those resources to make something that is truly it doesn't feel like it's it's set in in the U.S. but it has such a, an international kind of feel and just the filmmaking in general is such on Uh, a high par with anything that you would see theatrically that it is competing really with a lot of the stuff that you've seen and whether it be you know the best of the art house world or the best of commercial cinema um so yeah it will be interesting to see like i think we mentioned like bill Hader, what would he be doing like as a director for a feature like what would that look like i hope we
0: do see that and i think we will after he's kind of done with barry because like i don't know barry will go on much longer right he only said it's like Four or five seasons, maybe. But yeah,
1: and I mean, they're already starting to cast season four. Patrick Fleischer, um, who is a David Lynch regular, was just cast in a you recurring saw him role. Ball. Yep, awesome in Mulholland Drive and Twin Peaks: The Return. Uh, under the Silver Lake, always a guy that you kind of like seeing pop up. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's, it is an interesting time for television in general. I mean, like, I think we're in the post golden age of of television and now we're just in an age where television there's, there is a standard in which a lot of TV, whether it be oversaturated or not is, um, something to really, you know, consider on that level of, of being, you know, is it is it just television or is it something more is it, is it HBO? It, yeah, is, is it just HBO, <laughs> which, you know, HBO <laughs> has a lot of problems going on right now in terms of their business end of things, but it does seem like, you know, they are still at least getting the rehearsal or Barry out there and, you know, for shows and like last of us soon, and last of us soon, which we will talk a little bit more about in the review, uh, that you will be sharing. So, um, yeah, there's, there's always, there's always that little sliver of hope that something kind of gets through that isn't necessarily just, you know, house of the dragon. I'm excited to see it. Like, I'm sure it's, it's good. But and you like, pretty
0: much know what that is. <laughs> like, yeah. Like when something yeah. like
1: the rehearsal gets made, it's like, it's like, how did Nathan Fielder con his way <laughs> to getting the executives to do, it's you know, more than one season? And, um, you know, you're lucky to get what you you get. You know, you take what you can and 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 run with it. But, um, yeah. So, like for for those things in Barry as well, like it's just kind of like amazing that these shows and even even Better Call Saul, like what it took away from Breaking Bad and making something else. I didn't watch any of the show, but I did see a clip online. That involved the Breaking Bad component that everybody was waiting for, and what it did in that moment, I was like, "Oh, that actually is a very clever way of kind of reintroducing you into that timeline and doing something that's not just gimmick casting or or kind of like just going back Which to part the well." Was it?
0: was it the conversation between two characters it was in the trailer? Was... It was in oh like in the, the trailer, okay. yeah. Because the way the perspective moments, like,
1: switches, the like yeah. like that was a smart way of doing that where it's like the same scene, but done from a different perspective. Like I thought, that yeah. was like okay, like that is something I would have never thought of to do. Like, that was very cool.
0: There's yeah. another moment where a, uh, better call Saul specific character has a conversation with one of the main characters of breaking bad. And that was kind of cool too, of a scene that we obviously didn't see at that time. Cause that character didn't exist. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was great, man. It was really really good. And I didn't um, realize
1: that that one lawyer was on um, Saved by the Bell, the college years. Uh, Patrick Fabian, I believe, is the oh, name of the actor. Oh, really? Yeah, he was, was he? Kelly Kaplowski's like love interest that Zach was always like jealous of.
0: Oh, really? He's great. He's really really good in this show. Like his arc throughout that show, Kim Wexler and um, and his character. Um, god why am i blanking on the name i'm so bad
1: rhea uh, uh, seahorn
0: no that's that's rhea seahorn's character is kim wexler patrick fabian's character is people are gonna be like matt how did you watch the show but i just blank i blank everyone i go i don't even You're know blank, i watched man. two movies today and I, he's done a lot of tv um a lot of tv howard hamlin how did i forget that what a lawyer name that is a good um, name for a lawyer uh howard hamlin's um arc throughout the show is fantastic too and there's the whole drug aspect um uh, as well um and you know the uh, what's his name who played scorpion in spider man uh, is it Mike no I'm so bad with people's names, everyone. I'm, I'm thinking of the like... actor, not the Michael Mando, yeah. Mando, Nacho. Yeah. yeah, he played Nacho, yeah. And then Tony Dalton's um, in that series too. Tony right? Dalton, he was incredible. In he was in uh recently. seasons uh four, five, and six. I mean, obviously Giancarlo Esposito coming back as Gus Spring, one of the most I feel like iconic T V characters of recent memory. And the role that's kind Ma- of typecast. Michael too, McKean right? too. Uh, yeah, totally. because it
1: feels like he's now just playing the villain. And
0: everything. yeah, he's just Gus Fring and,
1: everything and he was now, at Fan so. Expo. If we want to segue.
0: Hey, there's a good segue. Yeah, Eric and I uh, and then this will segue wonderfully into what we've been watching a lot of over <laughs> oh, the last, um, you know, my, me over the last while. But we'll get to that. Uh, Eric and I did go to Fan Expo in Toronto. Uh, this past weekend um, to kind of walk the show floor and see what the vibe was, kind of explore some of the booths, see what people were selling, um, check out uh, what panels were going on. Uh, I will preface this that Eric and I were very excited for Cobra Kai being there uh, and for the Cobra Kai panel. Um, unfortunately, they had to uh, pull out at the last second. Um and um, I know what and, you're and thinking then, and
1: you cannot resist. And, I'm, and I'm then
0: uh, they did not end up uh, coming to the festival. Um, the so festival. Uh, sorry. Well, fan expo festival yeah. kind of same thing. I guess I got tip on the mind, but uh, we did walk the show floor. Um, it was an interesting year for fan expo. So Eric, I go more often than you do. You've gone as press one other time uh, yeah. to cover it for Rogers. Um, this year was was weird for me or interesting for me. It was the first kind of post... I know we're still in the pandemic, everyone, but it, every, no one's treating it like we are. So the first post-pandemic, I'm using air quotes, um, Fan Expo, and it was rammed. Uh, luckily, on Thursday when we went, it wasn't too bad. So we were able to kind of manage the show floor uh, pretty easily, Thursday being the lightest day we kind of just wanted to see what the vibe was and what was going on. So Eric and I walked around, checked out um, the Hasbro uh, booth to see some Dragon Ball Z toys. Um, Saw a bunch of stuff that they were happening there. There was a studio Ghibli um, uh, kind of 30th anniversary. Was it 30th anniversary or more uh, booth? But overall it was an interesting, like they had a lot of celebrities there, I would say. Um, but I'm not the guy that, you know, especially covering it as press where I'm like, Hmm, the Cobra Kai thing was the biggest thing. They obviously had some people from stranger things, which they added at the last minute. And then they had movie specific stuff like the, um, the hobbits reuniting from Lord of the Rings, um, clerks, you know, they had all the cast of clerks three weirdly didn't do a screening or anything. (laughs) Um, so which that would have been cool for them to set up, but that didn't happen. But the celeb side of thing, like I'm not one to go, you know, get an autograph or a photo um, with people. It's just not really my thing. I get why people, uh, it's a big moneymaker for those people and and people love it. So good for them. But I I love Fan Expo just because I love seeing, you know, my people or these dorks kind of walk around and just, go all out for their fandom like that's kind of why I like walking the show floor why I like looking at the booths is like seeing the cosplayers seeing the dad bring their young kids or seeing the mom bring their young kids or their nerdy parents sharing their nerddom with the young kids and like or just nerds walking around looking at stuff that makes them happy like that's the reason I love fan expo. And I feel like this year was a little lacking when it came to like the booths and Eric's uh, I'll get your thoughts in a sec, but um there's two aspects where there's like those, you know, the bigger booths that are the sponsor booths by usually a, a big company or something like that. And then you have a lot of the smaller booths, which are a lot kind of reminds you of a flea market a little bit where people are selling comic books, memorabilia, vintage toys, vintage, vintage video games, like posters, all this kind of stuff. Uh, And then that part, you know, I'm like, oh, well, it just does kind of feel like a flea market. So to pay money to just pay a lot of money to just go in and look at a flea market is is kind of interesting. Where I felt it was lacking a little bit um, was in those bigger booths. I felt like, you know, you had that big Hasbro booth, you had the Ghibli booth, you had you know this weird like a big a lot of it was like a big ebay booth which is more just selling stuff and then but it all one felt another... like ebay you mentioned flea yeah.
1: market but it kind of felt like almost like the scene in wreck it ralph 2 where like they're just kind of going through the digital version of ebay where this is almost like a version of ebay for nerds specifically to prey on nostalgia which again there's nothing wrong with that because especially if you know what you're getting into but like you're walking around and it's a lot of stuff that's kind of like either you know gone up in price quote unquote a little bit over time but um it's it's just kind of repurposed a lot of it
0: yeah a lot of it was that right and like you had this big buffer festival creator zone and you had a big esports bell bell esports challenge stage and then you had a uh, what was missing is like in the video game aspect of things they ha- there was an ubisoft booth that was celebrating assassin's creed there was a genshin impact booth which isn't really my thing i don't really know it Genshin Impact is. Um, and then there was this big whatnot booth and a big eBay booth and eBay and whatnot are both like selling crap online. (laughs) Like, and I love eBay. Don't get me wrong. And I have no idea what whatnot is, but like those were two of your biggest booths. And then you had the big Bandai Namco booth, which had a lot of cool toys you could buy again, just buy stuff. Um, some of it exclusive and and different things like that. And then you had the Ghibli booth, which was also selling stuff. So um, I guess, you know, the panels are what people go for. I just found, you know, once the Cobra Kai people bailed out that I didn't have a huge interest in a lot of the panels. I'm on the movie side of things for us. Like I didn't find that there was much like, again, the Hobbit thing, there there was a couple paid events. You had to pay more money. The clerks thing, you, I think you had to pay more money for a lot of the Jay and Silent Bob stuff. So even if you had a ticket, you had to pay uh, for that. And, you know, you have the one-on-one kind of conversations with a group of people. Like some of the cast of The Boys were there and did a panel, which is awesome. And the cast of Stranger Things, were uh, some of them were there and and, and did a panel and you know, shout out to Joseph Quinn and, and those people who are just capitalizing on their popularity right now, because that's what you should do in a moment like this. Um, but yeah, overall, I, you know, I went again on uh, the weekend. So um, I went two out of the four days. And on the second day, I'm like, oh, man, it is way too busy in here for me. And I got a little bit of that kind of uh, pandemic anxiety a little bit of like, it's too crowded in here. My It's hot as hell uh i'm breathing through this mask and i just was like i i, I can't do this anymore and then i build out but that being said i still do really love fan expo and i feel like it is you know a great event for this city and a great event for you know if you are a dork like us but like i don't know this year didn't have a lot for me
1: yeah i mean i'm not against it in any way and if it's making people happy and nobody's getting hurt i mean the the only thing i think i would maybe um reconsider in in, in future years is that screaming contest that that they had um, which was a little bit uh, unsettling to say the least but yeah like
0: for context there was like a horror stage in the south building so there's two buildings south and north the south building is mostly where the photo ops and signatures are and some more booths you can buy crap from but on this horror um stage they had a shrieking or screaming contest and like so for every couple minutes you would hear this like uh, like blood curdling like scream and it was very unsettling to eric's point where you're like in a big convention like i don't necessarily want to hear a, a very startling scream every few minutes
1: yeah especially if there is somebody in need of help that is screaming for help and it's like okay are you supposed to believe that person screaming for help or is it part of a competition or something like that? And that shouldn't be the case. Right. Um, yeah. Other than that, like it kind of like the last time I was there, which I think was like five or six years ago. Um, it kind of felt similar it obviously it was less packed because it was the the opening day and we were there at a time. thursday
0: is always the best day to go yeah. if you can do it we'd had
1: popeyes chicken tenders beforehand God. we were Bad idea. we were good you know what though i think we burnt that off though walking around and, and and it was so like it was sweltering hot in there to the point when um after uh we left and and you met up with nevis and and went home and i went to the uh to to union i bought a bottle of water and i must have chugged that thing so quickly because i was just so dehydrated with with how hot it was in there um the south building was hotter too than the north building yeah and 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 again going into that kind of flea market sort of you know um aspect of it i'm I enjoy it. I mean, I almost bought the, bought the Brain uh, from Sunrise. I, I almost still, bought multiple Dragon Ball Z toys. Still tempted to buy that thing as well from Gremlins 2, the Brain Gremlin. Um, but it's like one of those things where it's like, again, you know, how much, how much of it is nostalgia? How much of it is like you got to think like, okay – in, in in your own personal case, like, are you willing to spend this much money on this thing that's probably going to collect dust and do nothing? If you're a collector, if you're somebody that has a, a, an affinity for this, that's different, you know? Um, yeah, but I feel
0: like don't those people, like, find better deals – like, oh sure well on to...
1: ebay i'm sure there are better don't... deals you know <laughs> and they don't
0: or they go scouring you know vintage yeah. stores or or, or flea these, markets like flea markets like these uh standalone stores that i feel like i feel like they boost up their prices a little bit when they go to these events definitely too, it's, right? it's like... like
1: going to a mall like speaking of sunrise like if, if you know in in the before times in the in the before of the amazon the pre-amazon stuff like if you go to like a mall like chances are like a blu-ray or something like that if you go to you know when H&B it's like
0: 35.99 yeah and it, of like,
1: and it should be 25 but the prices are expensive because the rent to have that space is so expensive per month so they have to raise the prices of all the products and the they they're not
0: ordering as much because they're not a big box store like a walmart or an amazon or something like that exactly
1: too, right? exactly and then like Again, like it's it's nice to see like people, you know, the community and the enthusiasm of of people yeah. dressing up and stuff like that and having a good time and and not bothering anybody and and you know, like I I think somebody that really benefits from this in in terms of like you know a, a small business is someone like Retro Kid, which I was really happily yeah shout out to them surprised to see them there and doing well and I mean know, it's kinda, perfect for them
0: to be there. yeah that makes total sense right and they've kind of skyrocketed in popularity over over the pandemic and stuff too and um yeah it was great seeing the them there the layered butter guys we never got to go to their booth but shout out to them they had a booth over in the south building uh unobstructed view had a booth we checked out as well so there were some like movie related stuff they were just kind of on the smaller scale of things and some of those guys we already know personally and things like that too yeah um so i'm definitely i, I want to see more you know i want this to be comic con right like and i know it'll never be san diego comic con cuz san diego comic con it is more of a local thing and it is more of your classic kind of comic con thing where it's just okay it's a mix of people who are very popular right now uh, and need to capitalize on that and people who were popular a while ago that need to you know keep making money because whatever they were in was popular and prey on nostalgia. I don't mean that as predatory in the sense that there's anything wrong with that.
1: Unless you're the predator.
0: They're not forcing anyone to pay $85 for an autograph or $150 for a photo. And like, I just see some of that stuff where they're just kind of like funneling people through for those photos and stuff like that. And it just feels so weirdly impersonal that like, you know, me and you, we've always said this, we're those guys where I'm like, I'd rather meet someone, shake their hand or say so you enjoy saying, their like,
1: work or actually a, or have an have interview. Have a conversation. Not even an interview, well, just, well I, mean, I mean, like, like in terms like, of, of, of like the, so we were trying to get interviews for Cobra Kai, you know, like yeah. something like that, where like that would be a, you know, a, a great experience to have where you actually, even if it is only. And that's minutes.
0: on the press side of things yes. though. But I even mean on the public side of things. And I know you can't. You know, when you go get an autograph some, from somewhere, you usually, yes, tell the person you love their work, you get their autograph, but you, they do charge you for it there, at least from the bigger celebrities, in, in quotes. Um, yeah, it's just, it feels weirdly impersonal. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, i just rather have a conversation with someone. I don't need an autograph. I don't necessarily even need a photo um, as proof to prove to everyone that I met that person. I'd just rather talk to them and and there were some like you know if you're into comic books you can pretty much do that with a lot of the comic book artists so um you can kind of go to artist alley which is a an area eric you didn't walk around in but i went on my on my second go around because i'm like oh i i'm still a pretty big comic guy like the co-creator of invincible was there um ryan otley and um the artist for a lot of that series and you know he's just sitting at his booth he does charge for things if you want like a sketch or a or a custom thing but like you can just go up and talk to these guys as they're sitting at their booth uh guys or gals and like um i think that's pretty cool just being accessible um to those people who have created some of the you know comic book weird Uh, comic books are weirdly like comic book movies are the biggest thing on, on the planet, but like comic books are still like, and comic book artists are are a niche thing. Like, yeah. So it's, you know, this guy who is co-creator of this thing. That's a big Amazon show. Maybe it's not the most popular thing in the world, but like, um, Robert Kirkman created the walking dead and stuff like that. He wasn't there, but like um, you know, you have some pretty big names in, in the comic book world that are just chilling at their artist alley booths and um, or our writers that are just chilling in in that area too. And um, I think that's really cool. It's just when you get to the, like, paying money and lining up like you're in a, it's just a weird, I've seen those like uh, videos and someone yelling, don't take any video of like a person cause you didn't pay for it. Right. And it's just like, that stuff feels weird, but like I get, it. it's just, Hey, if you want to pay for it, no one's forcing you. So it's like, go for it. And if it makes you happy, it makes you happy. And that's what I love. It's just like looking around and seeing kids dressed up and 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 people dressed up and and getting tattoos oh the tattoo alley is weird but like there's a lot of weird stuff now and uh like it used to be video games got to be a bigger part of fan expo at one point and that made me really happy like playstation would have a huge booth where you could go play some of their upcoming games but like now that you know e3 and different things aren't really a thing anymore like in-person events they don't really have a lot of those demo kiosks that they have at other events they still have packs which packs uh take place around the u.s and those are like fan expo specifically for video games and Um, You do get some of that crossover here, but you didn't get a lot of that this year. And then on the film side of things, you used to get like big booths from some of the studios, whether it's a specific project they had coming up or, uh, you know, DC and Marvel used to have booths, but they didn't really have anything anymore either. And like, so you get like, it becomes this weird, like buy stuff convention and with eBay and and whatnot and the bandai namco booth still just being a place you could buy toys it's just like you didn't have a lot of those experience booths right like you could take a photo with princess mononoke but like is like
1: or pokaroo
0: or pokaroo which is cool i guess but like you go to these things i think at least i do for you know these cool booths that are like these experiences or these elaborate kind of things and maybe i'm just like envisioning fan expo as something else like more like san diego comic con but i guess some um, of the
1: panels and maybe just like the the Q and I as guess you are the closest to that yeah
0: now. and then like i guess if you get to see someone you really admire or um look up to or or really like their work you get to go see them talk in person and that's a big part of it right and you had a lot of Video game actors, a lot of TV and movie actors do panels. And like, I just don't think that's like our thing. I think certain panels are my thing, but it's usually like a a preview panel is my thing, right? Like I used to go to Fan Expo and see the Marvel and DC, like comic book panels where they would talk about their upcoming slate of comic books. And then the sketch duels are really cool where you see comic book artists draw the same character and they kind of, the audience votes on which one's their favorite, um they used to do even like preview of they never really had movie previews i think warner used to do one and something like that but it was in a smaller room and things like that but um it's obviously a blast i'd say if you were gonna go um depending on how many people are there that you're interested in i think you only really need to do one day uh and thursday is probably your best bet but like I definitely had a good time on Thursday walking around with you. Um, I just, I got overwhelmed when I went back on Sunday and, um, but overall I think it's a, a worthwhile event that I want to see a little bit more from. And I know they're trying, but yeah, a lot of people just are still trying to figure out that post pandemic air quote thing, everyone of like what conventions they want to go to, especially um brands i think the actors and stuff sure they don't mind going to them but
1: well i mean some of them some of them you know maybe more so than others depending on like what their schedule is like because there are like it it was kind of interesting to see the stranger things cast a lot of the younger actors there because it's like okay well joseph quinn just kind of broke out with this new season he's
0: been going to all of the conventions yeah and,
1: and same thing with um uh grace fandine who's in uh, a tiff movie that we will probably end up seeing called roost directed by amy redford so it's like okay well these are actors at the beginning of their careers where someone like robert england who's probably done a thousand of these comic cons and you know scare fast that's his job like now right? yeah. yeah yeah that's his bread and butter which again there's nothing wrong with that i mean obviously you know freddie why Cooper not you travel around you sign some autographs still. and take yeah. some
0: photos you make money yeah yeah uh,
1: you know i'm sure like he would love to be working on another film or t v show or or be even being at home, but yeah, you have to kind of be respectful to that as well um you know like the I think the one guy there that was kind of like the one person that I would like to your point, like I would be more than happy to have like a, like a like oh hey, nice to meet you, you know, just casual if you bumped into him is Carl weathers because yeah. uh, to me Carl weathers is like. This is this legend, you know, like starting with like the Rocky films and even having a really small extra role in, in Close Encounters of the Third Kind and obviously with Predator and Action Jackson. And he's just like a really recently with Mandalorian. Yeah. And I, I, he's just a really great, like, actor and, and one of those guys that is just like had probably a ton of amazing stories that would have a really wonderful panel or, or something like that. But, um but yeah, other than that, it was just more, it was more fun just kind of walking around. I mean, I, I know that fan expo has been doing this at the end of August and I don't know what other time of the year you could really do this, but it does feel like that is a, a detriment to the festival or to the fan expo in a way, because there is this kind of like dead zone at that time of the year where, you know, Comic-Con in San Diego has already passed. You've had a lot of announcements already happen. The, the, the the summer movie season is coming to an end. Fall is only starting to ramp up. So you have, you know, studios and filmmakers wanting to maybe wait to announce their stuff in September or after some of the fall festival stuff. So it kind of does feel a little bit like, it's not maybe the greatest time of year to have anything really all that exciting come out, especially this year, because again, like we were talking about it in the last couple of episodes, like they're getting some bubbly there. Um, there wasn't really much theatrically released like after that first week of August. So, you know, studios didn't really need to promote anything. I feel
0: like I haven't really been to the movies in a while, which is, you caught up on some stuff
1: with bodies, bodies, bodies and bullet train and what have you. But yeah, I did see
0: bullet train. We don't need to talk about it. It's fine.
1: After (laughs) that first week, which which goes to show you how, how uh, memorable it is. But after that first week, there was just nothing going on in terms of the, the, the film side of things. And even with television, um, you know it's it's kind of just like a basically like a catch up kind of get ready for uh school if you're going you know what what have you going back to work it's like there's just not a lot there and even though fan expo is kind of teaming up with with Warner Brothers to do a special Black Adam presentation in October which I'm sure is going to be... Because uh, that's with them, right? With Warner Brothers and... I and didn't even Fan see Expo. that. So, there. so that there was an announcement that The Rock is coming to Toronto oh, in oh. October or September. The hierarchy of September. the
0: DC Universe is about to change.
1: Yeah. I'm just going to double check this as as we're talking just to confirm that. But I oh, believe... I'll find it, yeah. Yeah, I believe that he... That was like the big announcement that they were working with Fan Expo so that maybe it's just something where it's like, okay, maybe we need this additional kind of push and it's a good kind of like cross promotional thing. So
0: I, I, they're probably going to try to push the shit out of that movie. Well, because it's uh, Warner
1: brothers last theatrical release of 2022, apparently. Right. So with everything that's going on with, uh, don't worry, darling uh, right now, it's kind of like, those are the only two films that are being released by Warner brothers in the fall calendar, which is kind of surprising. So- um, but then they're putting all their efforts into Black Adam because it's the least problematic of the two,
0: yeah, 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 I guess he's coming to premiere the movie here. um I think we partnered with Warner Bros to give a fan Expo fans a chance to attend okay. uh, the event. so I don't know if it's necessarily exactly like partnered with them like on the entire event rather than they're just gonna give away.
1: But there is a fan expo element, right? Like it wasn't yeah, just. Yeah, but
0: like- E Talk had the same post, I think. Or, yeah, they retweeted Narcity Canada. I guess like Fan Expo is giving away the tickets. I guess that makes sense. But, right. Because um, does Black Adam come out in November?
1: October, I think. Or did they move it to November now? Because they keep moving stuff.
0: They did move it, didn't they? No, did
1: they? Okay, I'm looking this up now. Um, Uh, I'm going to IMDb, where all the uh, reliable uh, sources are.
0: Yo, this October, The Rock flies to Toronto, so yeah, he's gonna come do a Canadian premiere here or something. Um, Which yeah, October 21st (laughs) is when the film. So yeah, I'm assuming they'll just he'll come right before the uh, uh, the release to do a red carpet. Or black carpet, or yellow carpet, whatever the fuck. Um, for <laughs> black he sounds Adam, so enthusiastic. So. We're both. About we're this all story. wearing black today. Yep. We're all blacked out. So Doctor all... Fate,
1: man, that poster of Doctor Fate just kills me. Every time I see it, I just laugh. That character poster, it's. Incredible. I don't know if I even saw it. it. It's like something I. I even tweet retweeted it, saying it's like, what if you had this on your dorm room, uh, wall? It's it's so tacky, but it's kind of funny.
0: I haven't seen it. Black Adam character poster previews, Doctor. Okay. (laughs) God. Sick. Uh moving on from. That was weird. I think Um, Black
1: Adam tried to interrupt this episode.
0: Um I uh I want to move on to a little conversation, which will probably go on way too long. On Dragon Ball Z Kai. Eric, I completed one hundred and fifty three episodes of the original Dragon Ball series. Uh, And then you have now joined me on my journey of watching Dragon Ball Z Kai for the first time. Both of our first times. However, if people aren't familiar with Dragon Ball Z Kai, it is a kind of remix or recut of the original Dragon Ball Z series. Um, and it's a kind of original four by three form. However, it is redone in uh, high definition. So they use the original kind of film prints of Dragon Ball Z. And then whenever they had missing frames and things like that, or they wanted to kind of change things up a little bit, they redrew or hand traced the original footage um and have some new animations in it it has a completely new score which we'll get into that because there's some controversy there um it has a completely new english uh dub uh so a lot of the voice actors came back and and redid their roles they also recasted a bunch of roles And then it's condensed the series from its 250 some episodes to 150 uh, some episodes, or maybe even 290 episodes down to 150. Uh, some episodes, so, yeah. There's a lot of Goku um,
1: flying to his destination. That's that they cut. Need to cut down. <laughs> yeah, we should call um, it the truncated cut because of. Trunks. Ah, I'm almost there.
0: Um, yeah. So, uh, we're watching Dragon Ball Z Kai, um, which is something I've wanted to do for a long time. After I heard about it, it aired from 2010 up until the mid 2010s. Uh, they took a couple year gap between the final episodes. Um, so. I have finished 54 episodes now of Dragon Ball Z Kai in basically two weeks time. Um, I'm finished the Saiyan Saga and the Frieza Saga uh eric you are halfway through the frieza saga correct yeah about? i'm where yeah.
1: uh the end of uh the ginyu forces and the beginning yeah. of frieza takes on uh vegeta krillin and gohan as S- goku heals in the what look that's the that's the thing where you can so let me
0: preface this just so everyone before you keep going yeah we are going to talk about dragon ball z in in spoilery talk because like at least up until the episode that I, I, I say. So I have watched up to episode 54, which is the end of the Frieza saga. Um, you might be sensitive. To, I know it's a you know 30 year old show. Um, however, I, I forgot a lot of the series. I did watch it as a kid. Obviously, this is a new version of it. Um, if you don't want to be spoiled, look at the time codes below or on podcast services. Um you can kind of skip ahead if you don't want to hear spoilery stuff on Dragon Ball Z. I know it's weird to do a spoiler warning for a very old DV show. Well, it's um, even for me but, to
1: you, because I remember a lot of what where happens where yeah, like with like even where we're going. Because like I was I don't
0: remember anything. I think this is basically where I ended as a kid, to be honest. Interesting. Because like I I don't remember the androids. I don't remember Cell. I don't remember Trunks, and I don't remember Boo uh, Boo Boo. at all. Like, I don't... Or Bobbity. I I remember Frieza a lot, and there were a lot of moments during the Frieza saga where I'm like, oh, I fully remember this. Um, But I think as a kid, I probably watched that Frieza saga and then maybe got a little bit older and then... I don't know why I ended up stop watching it. Maybe I got more into video games or, or, or whatever, but there was uh, some reason. But I am all in. So anyways, that's the spoiler warning for Dragon Ball Z. We will talk about the first two arcs kind of in spoilery territory. Um, but Eric, how have you felt going back? Because like I talked about my journey with Dragon Ball a lot over the last you know month or so or two months. But since I got back from my wedding, I've watched so much Dragon Ball. Um,
1: <laughs> um,
0: how are you enjoying your revisit? It's like
1: hanging out with old friends again. You know, it, it, like I I remember even it, if
0: some of them sound slightly different.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was a little worried going in that that would be a problem. There's only a couple characters that are drastically different and even then it doesn't ruin it in any way whatsoever like the the vocal performances even though there are a few that are very memorable it's not you know hit or miss and and like i was thinking okay like what are they going to cut out or what are they going to feel that is like you know like just excess that they can kind of just you know leave on the cutting room floor if you want to go back and watch the original versions they're there unlike you know like the original star Wars movies where you have to find the VHS versions or bootleg cuts or what have you. Um, Yeah. I like star Wars as a kid, I obsessed um, over dragon ball uh, when it was on YTV to the point where like I had, you know, grandparents taping episodes when i wasn't um you know around in the early evening uh, when it when it aired um i would buy episodes um usually they were like in three packs at Gnu books uh back in the day and they were really expensive talking about like a you know a, a boutique chain raising the price on something a vhs copy with three episodes of a show especially if it was an imported show or an english dub was like forty dollars for a VHS for so three
0: was, episodes yeah. of Dragon Ball, <laughs> and this was
1: in the early two thousands as well. So like it was obscene, um, but yeah, like there's there's a lot of nostalgia and 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 love for. The story and the characters, essentially, Goku is Superman, and in my opinion, a better version of Superman, a much more likable, but also more interestingly defined as a character and not just kind of like a catch-all kind of thing when a problem comes up, even though there are kind of uh, sort of routine kind of things that this series does go through. But I think it ultimately works, and it kind of really flows well from one sort of event into another in a kind of very, um, natural kind of way it feels like okay well one problem ends but it also kind of sets off a chain reaction into the next saga and it does so in a way that doesn't feel jarring or like it's stopping and starting it feels like okay well this kind of set off this and now we're you know had a dynamic after dealing with saiyans coming to planet earth and trying to be you know the worst realtors ever um and yeah like like a lot of this show it, it came at a time when my parents were divorcing in 99. So um, I remember, and I told you this before the show, and maybe I have even talked about it on the show or on movie night back in the, in, in in the day when we were recording, but there was a time when I wasn't seeing my dad. And it was basically one of those things where like um, the first time I saw him, I didn't even go over to his place for Christmas. I had to meet him at a McDonald's in Ajax across from the Applebee's. And I gave him, I gave my brothers my Christmas list and my Christmas list was all Dragon Ball Z toys. And specifically, this was around the time when the Cell Saga uh, was What's starting happening. up. Yeah. yeah. And so like my one big gift or my big toy that I wanted was the first iteration of Cell because that was one of my favorite designs in, in the show. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um no and future
0: spoilers. No, 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 no. <laughs> the only
1: spoiler is 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 a sad story about a kid opening toys uh, in a McDonald's uh, two that weeks sounds, before Christmas, yeah. and as other children and and parents were wondering what the hell is going on and how sad and pathetic that is. But it, but like that memory came back to me while watching this in such a vivid way where it was like I remembered every detail of it and I just remember always watching Dragon Ball Z and Buffy on YTV and like having like the host do the intro for the show and then when buying the VHS versions of the show always being astonished by how much more violent it was Yeah, because the uncut version like the first episode or the first VHS YTV
0: had the very kids focused edited version of dragon balls yeah
1: like for example to the point where like bulma's dad in the dragon ball z uh tv broadcast on ytv they they blacked out the cigarette he always has in his mouth and so it kind of looked like like a turd hanging off of his lip and i always wondered like what that was, that and, was then, and, and then you
0: when watch you watch the vhs's yeah. yeah
1: and then you're like oh it's a cigarette okay i didn't realize that yeah. like that was something that they kind of like did you ever
0: watch the because i remember Teletoon having the uncut versions at midnight on friday nights that's where i first saw the uncut
1: version there were a few episodes but it depended on where i was because i was watching the show but also buying some of the vhs to kind of like get ahead because it was like oh i can i can watch these and already be on the frieza saga and so like the first the first episode i remember buying or the first pack that i remember buying was when frieza has his second transformation because i love the devil horns and the back image was krillin being impaled by frieza and for whatever sadistic reason i was like i need to watch this right away um but yeah awesome dude it's It's, it's amazing so
0: i've i've had such a blast and i'm so glad i watched dragon ball beforehand and i highly suggest uh anyone who is enjoying Dragon Ball Super superhero right now, or um, is in, has loved Dragon Ball Z but hasn't come back to watch the original Dragon Ball? Like I, I it's such a different show, and I'm realizing that. Like this is very battle centric; it's very action focused, um, which is, I think great like i love the saiyans coming to earth and finding more about goku's backstory and just like then finding more about piccolo's backstory and kami's backstory with the Nameks and like um i i I love all of that but i i got so much more from that because i watched the og dragon ball and i just love the kind of playful nature of that original series so like it, it very different shows but i feel like watching that set me up perfectly to just be absolutely obsessed with this universe right now and i do feel like a kid again we're like i really loved goku i really loved dragon ball z as a kid i just it kind of evaporated from my brain, unfortunately. Like I, I remember the, I, we were singing the theme song, like dragon, dragon ball, dragon ball, C. C. which I didn't realize was only a UK and Canadian intro to the show. Some people pointed out it wasn't just Canadian. It was UK as well. Um, and then the Teletoon versions people point out, pointed out were more of the American kind of intro, which was more of like a metal version, uh, like a, uh, a, a hair metal version of it. um, I'm loving it, man. Like, I feel like it's a way better story than I remember, just because I guess I was a dumb kid and you couldn't kind of comprehend it all. And even though... I think it gets masked as a kid show. You sometimes forget that like animation. Yeah. I think in the eighties and nineties in North America was considered a thing for children. So a lot of these kind of animes and, and different things that were being kind of brought over from Japan that were not necessarily for adults, but more of like an older kid, like maybe in late teens and adults kind of thing that were kind of edited down for children. And I think the storytelling, maybe not like the most sophisticated, but I think there's more to it than I think, than what's perceived. Like I I really love the Goku character. I think in both Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, there's some great character building moments. It isn't just action. And I feel like Goku's history with the Saiyans and how much great world building that there is um, in both shows. And just from you know whether it's how Earth is portrayed, with how the Dragon Balls work, or how um, you know even how uh, the city that Bulma lives in, with Capsule Corp and the Red Ribbon Army, and like all the different factions on Earth that are vying for the Dragon Balls, or what powers people have, and 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 then the the escalation that this series it just has a wonderful momentum to it, and I think you already brought that up, where it's just both in its pacing from one saga to another and to how it builds its characters of always needing to train for that next thing and getting more powerful is like yeah it gets a little some people might say it's repetitive but i also think that it's it just you always have to one-up the the last thing right and it is that momentum storytelling where goku starts as this little kid that doesn't know his powers at all and has to train and always wants to be kind of the best fighter in the universe. And I just feel like the show does such a good job of that innocence that that character has and and how he's finding more about himself and and always wanting to do the right thing and never wanting to kill unless he has to and um and utilizing that in really interesting ways. And I'm just like really, really impressed with how much I'm kind of enjoying the show and how dark it gets at times and i'm like this would have i remember i remember krillin dying a lot when i even went as a kid like i just remember that being like an ongoing kind of bit right like uh Yamcha's a doofus and krillin gets killed all the time <laughs> it's like um those are the things that i kind of remembered
1: and master roshi is super <clears> sexist <throat> is, but at the time at least in
0: dragon ball speed. z it's like it, there's still uh, some horrendous stuff in there but like it's at least dragon ball is filled with it. Dragon Ball Z there's only a few instances. Um but I think uh uh Toyama is is the creator's name, right? Um and I think he just he he's done a, such a great job with that universe and like in these characters and I feel like each character gets their moment and even introducing new characters like Vegeta and like the face turns and the heel turns and then someone is like not a face, but not quite a heel. Like, Piccolo started like that. But then you love Piccolo's relationship with Gohan. And then, like, you see he's the Piccolo. dad that
1: stepped up while Goku was away yeah, training with Kai.
0: Exactly. And I love that shit. And even Vegeta, like, you see moments in there. I'm like, you motherfucker. You just want to be the most powerful being. You want to beat Goku so bad because you're jealous of this bastard. But you still kind of care because he's a Saiyan and his son is a Saiyan too. And you, and you really, like, when he saves um Gohan and and Krillin multiple times he didn't have to and I'm like they're they're building that character up really really well and like the voice acting I think in this in this Kai version um while some characters it was jarring after watching so much Dragon Ball like Bulma and and even uh Gohan because I do remember the original Gohan voice and because it was the same voice as goku from dragon ball like that was etched in my brain i do like that change though because i feel like it differentiates that character more than just being a clone of goku even though that's what that character is for the most part <laughs> i don't even know in stories anyways we'll get there but um um and then bulma and um i guess is the big one that i think the voice is changed in frieza as well but like yeah. Uh, A lot of the reading I've done is like a lot of the voice actors when they first did Dragon Ball Z, they were like pretty green in the industry. So they're all like really wanted to come back and redo this. And like and I guess the translation is much better in Kai than it was in the original Dragon Ball Z. So um, I'm having no issues with it being condensed down or anything like I'm not really noticing like the pacing is relentless that you don't get a lot of time to breathe i guess um when it comes to um in between moments and stuff like that it is pretty battle focused and it is pretty whatever is relevant to the story where i guess the original series had a lot of side quests or random things that people would do that didn't necessarily move the story forward so and i know some people probably really love that stuff and and um probably miss it if they watch this version where i don't remember any of it so i'm kind of enjoying that um i'm i'm really liking the score even though um the dude that did the score um got caught uh plagiarizing (laughs) um basically everything he's done for toei um since he got hired there so um the version eric and i are watching um is the original version with the plagiarized music um so that i I'm enjoying the it it sucks that he stole all that music, and no one should ever do that like he stole but a lot of people
1: it, do though especially when it comes to composers <laughs> where like a lot of them like it's always that question of like what's a tribute and what's what's plagiarism yeah. right like what what constitutes is each thing but like again, you know, if you're just basically copying and pasting or, or or. a lot of
0: it sounded, you know, very, uh, very similar. Um, so uh, that's unfortunate. Um, (laughs) and I, I feel like it really works in this and I, I like the themes that they're playing with. I like, um, um, how it, it feels more like a modern show. And I feel like some people wouldn't, Would that would maybe be a put off too because like the original does very much feel like something that was from the 80s right with its with its sound and its sound effects and its music where this makes Dragon Ball Z feel a little bit more modern um with the music that they use and things like that um uh, another thing Eric and I the theme song has grown on me a little bit but like I still don't love it I do love that original that original canadian version just rocks where this is a little like underwhelming but um i i'm all in dude like the frieza saga i i will say i felt like even in its condensed form went on maybe a little longer than i would like like it does by the end of it you go okay he's got a fourth transformation <laughs> and you're like okay now he's gonna fight super saiyan goku and it's gonna go on for a couple episodes and you're like It it is that escalation of always needing to power up and be stronger. And I love – like there's some tropes both in Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z – that are just really funny where it's like characters will always go oh you thought I was at full power I was only at half power and you're like I was Why? suppressing what? my
1: power <laughs> yeah ah! like
0: it's like you'll go three episodes of a fight um, and then they're just like I was actually suppressing my power
1: <laughs> and now you're I'll like, show you the full <laughs> extent of my power
0: and it's just like and that happens over and over again just a way to kind of like up the ante or continue the fight and that happened way back in the tournaments in Dragon ball as well. Like Goku would even be like, I was only using half power or whoever Piccolo who he's fighting or whoever was just like and there'd be no reason for the person to use only half power. <laughs> Cuz like right. I'm like if Frieza could just hulk out like that and just fucking murder everyone, why wouldn't he do that right away? So there's like
1: Well, he's certain, lazy, man. He doesn't want to have to use all that power on people that he believes are lesser are than under him, hand. right? Yeah, I agree you know, with like that. That's, and that's think, why he's in that first transformation yeah, and, and never and, in his final form.
0: And no one's ever seen him like that. And I yeah. like
1: that kind of stuff.
0: But then you kind of go I go back and forth on it where it's just like, okay, well now it's maybe going on a little longer than it probably needed to. I know the Frieza saga I think is the longest one of I think maybe the Majin Boo stuff at the very end is almost as long. But Yeah. Um, well it's
1: it's also like you I, I think that like there's it's it's also quite long at the end of the Vegeta Napa stuff. Like once Napa has been killed off um and it's Goku and and Vegeta fighting a lot of that goes on for what seems like a lot longer than it actually is even in the condensed version um but when you get to Namek it's a lot of Frieza's got the Dragon Balls now Vegeta has the Dragon Balls
0: Dende Dende's there now we got to bring
1: in Dende and Nails and the Grand Elder and and uh, um you know Okay, now we got to get to the Dragon Balls before the the, the Ginyu Force get here. I so love the Ginyu Force. Oh, like, they're amazing. They that is one of the the fun, like I remember kind of feeling like as a kid that they were a little too much, that they were yeah. kind of ridiculous. But and now, they are going back. It, oh, but they it. it's that. And I actually <laughs> like that Captain Ginyu doesn't completely, you know, push aside Goku. Like he actually sees him as a, as a worthy threat oh, like, that's a, something that's there a continuing
0: that's interesting. and that's a continuing kind of motif throughout this series right like and that's something that i love mm-hmm. is like eventually people don't take i mean starting they don't take goku seriously but when they realize his power even the villains kakarot. a lot of the times so yeah oh god vegeta saying kakarot is so good kakarot. um um they respect him at a certain point and that's something i love from the villains in this series and the competitors at the world tournament from before and stuff like that like in this universe is like it's like cobra Kai, where like karate is everything where like martial arts is everything like fighting is everything your power level is everything so like when you when you it's over nine thousand, yeah god it's so good um <laughs> when you have a worthy opponent the other person respects you right like even Frieza towards the end is just like no one has ever seen me in this form and you almost like even though he's kind of a, he's a shit bag that will just like try to trick you and kill you uh, at any moment. Like he'll, he'll lie and cheat and steal like Eddie Guerrero, but like um, <laughs> is like it, I love that in this universe that like, you know, it's like, okay, respect. And they'll just like, you know what? You beat me. Like, well, that's why Piccolo ends up kind of being a good guy. And you always see the people in the background being like, I got to train harder to beat fucking Goku now. And you're like, yeah, you do Vegeta. You got to fly away and train to be stronger. Yeah. Kakarot.
1: I, Kakarot. I, I, the other thing I was, I, that I kind of forgot about was how, like, I mean, you mentioned, you know, Vegeta kind of becomes a reluctant ally at points but he's still kind of merciless like that one sequence where he murders murders all the namekians in the village for that one dragon ball he's still in it for himself and And he brings that up
0: and rubs it in their faces when they all come back yeah and like And they're like, why didn't Dende's like, why didn't everyone come back? And Vegeta's like, ha, you
1: didn't realize
0: not everyone was killed by Frieza. And you're like, damn, dude, like, you're just chilling with them at Balma's house. I'm like, you don't have to, like, tell them you murdered. It was um, me.
1: (laughs) I got them all. But yeah, it's like, that stuff, like, again, Vegeta becomes more softer as the series goes on. Not, not like, he's still like a cold blooded killer at times but um but I, sorry but his, inserting
0: there i love that that juxtaposition between him and goku right like he does what goku right.
1: won't do and i love that but i also find that his obsession with besting goku to be a little bit strange because this this is only coming from a sense of that i love vegeta vegeta and piccolo are my two favorite characters but going back to it it's funny because vegeta basically handed goku his ass on earth um for Completely the most part wrecked him yeah and and it's like I, I never, like, I always thought that, that that obsession came from a place of that, you know, Goku beat Vegeta. And now Goku wants that rematch to show that he can beat Goku. But it really comes down to Goku became a Super Saiyan before Vegeta. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a place of, you know, being a, 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 an heir to the throne of, of planet, you know.
0: Vegeta was prince, right?
1: Yeah, of the Saiyan planet and the Saiyan race and and, you know, being the son of you know uh, a king and also frieza being afraid of a super saiyan you know defeating him was all that kind of like added pressure to be the first to do it and having this kind of what vegeta would consider a commoner um you know best him at that and 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 what have you it's like i get that but it was always it was always interesting because it's like well you kind of prove that you you know could go toe to toe with 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 goku like why do you need to do that again and that's like his like (laughs) singular like focus like even when he kind of becomes more of an ally you know moving forward it's always like i still gotta have that fight with kakarot i I gotta kill him (laughs) even though he beat him when goku didn't have
0: his full power yeah um so i get that i get that man yeah uh, vegeta's great um yeah the namekians coming down and like that whole plot like i like that they went dynamic and it wasn't just all on earth and weighted clothing um,
1: love that they train with oh i love clothing.
0: that <laughs> i love that that's always a reveal being like he was wearing weighted clothing so now his power is even stronger or king kai it's like um, put it back on <laughs> yeah king kai great too just give bubbles king, and gregory yeah, Bubbles and Gregory, great names. Everyone named after food and stuff is is funny too. But um, Kai, King Kai being kind of the voice like the he's giving exposition i think is funny like he just keeps coming back and and he sounds like he's drinking
1: as he's doing it like not like alcohol Uh, but it sounds almost like he's blowing bubbles or something yeah yeah, yeah. and i actually do that like that he's like this bad comedian kind of type and, and i think one of the best jokes that he has isn't even a joke but when um he gives Goku the new uniform and gives him the emblem on his shirt. And Goku's like, oh, I thought you were... Like, thank you for this. I really love it. I I was nervous that you were going to give me that ridiculous outfit that you're wearing. And and King Kai's just like, you're welcome. (laughs) Just like, he's not impressed. And, And yeah, and King Kai, like could be so a little too much the, yeah but he works really really well and he and, does
0: and and that's my point is like they introduce he's so yoda many, basically so many characters but i feel like everyone kind of gets their due right like even krill well, like
1: launch like, maybe not so much which sure if you there's yeah. an article about that with the creators that they just forgot about launch after dragon ball and they just didn't really even write her in there's yeah, one launch in dragon ball like yeah. It
0: wasn't she was utilized I liked her every time she sneezed she became the other version like yeah. it was kind of random. But, but
1: there are characters in Dragon Ball that make it to Dragon Ball Z that also kind of get phased out a little bit more yeah, as Oolong the series progresses. And, uh, that
0: cat thing that's Yamcha's friend I forget I hate what that it. thing. I love Corrin. <laughs> I
1: Yasha! think Corn is I think Corn is great. Um, oh yeah,
0: Corn yeah, Corn came back a little bit at the beginning of Dragon Ball Z, right? Cuz yeah. they go because well, they always need corn. the
1: sensu beans right like that's like the yes. thing is that he's growing the sensu beans with and yajirobi's kind of like he's like the it's like oh yajirobi too yeah corin's the drug dealer yajirobi's like the guy who's selling it on the street corner <laughs> you know and um yeah but 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 even like Yamcha and tian and chao su and like like it's par
0: is the cat <laughs> oh
1: god um it, it just feels like a lot of that stuff even master roshi kind of Oh, Roshi's barely in it. And
0: like Yancha and Tien are just in um they're dead the whole time, basically,
1: right? Yancha is such a chump. (laughs) But the thing I love about uh Goku again is how like he always seems generally interested in things. Like when he meets King Yama for the first time and starts talking to him and it's kami that kind of gets the backlash of 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 king yama after you know they've had that conversation where Yam- yama is like actually interested in like goku being interested in him and like he's kind of showing off to goku in a way that's kind of fun when um goku's about to sort of take that trip down um the dragon alley and kind of like go on his uh on his quest to uh be taught by king kai and yeah there's just a lot of really fun kind of action sequences and like you remember like certain scenes or setups like you know the build-up to you know Nappa and Vegeta arriving to Nappa and Jita, Vegeta kind of you know um fighting the characters and sort of how brutal that is just with Nappa himself and like his death is hilarious every time not not that he becomes paralyzed mm-hmm. but when Vegeta kills him and like he does that weird like face when he blows up it's like I always love that as a kid and i mean it's it's again weirdly sadistic but like when Kui gets killed and like vegeta punches him and he kind of like explodes in that weird way um but again it is super violent um it is hyper stylized you know you're either in or out on the kind of like you know flying and you know transforming and and we talked a little bit about with you know cobra kai like it, it kind of feels like there is some inspiration there where like every season it's like you have to kind of like basically best somebody by training even harder or yeah. doing something more or just mm. you know training in, in in you know negative 200 gravity and
0: those and, are the guys I want to do the Dragon Ball movie if they ever, yeah. ever do a live action or series again like maybe when they're
1: done Cobra is but it kind to... of I guess would be similar maybe that would be the one maybe thing that too would turn similar
0: yeah and I don't I mean, know if, they but have if you have a passion could
1: do... for it though either right like it seems yeah. like Karate Kid in the Karate Kid if universe, they did they I would love
0: that because it does seem like they do take a a little bit of inspiration from Dragon Ball. And if that is the case and they wanted to stay within martial arts, but martial arts with, with superpowers (laughs) is like, they absolu- absolutely they absolutely absolutely should get uh the reins to dragon ball if they were ever going to do because uh, they're doing the like ferris
1: bueller action. spinoff or, i think next or they're working yes. on that as a movie yeah. so that'll be interesting to see like how that works with the continuity and because it's about
0: the car the guys who take the car out yeah or cameron's
1: whatever. car while ferris bueller and cameron um go to like are out on the town right like um so i really hope that they don't bring like matthew broderick back in the age um because like i feel that i go- don't know be man. A thing.
0: i feel like, or they'll just i mean they've done a good job with cobra kai of using archival footage and stuff like that like and splicing it together like if they can kind of match the look of ferris bueller with this movie and then like um and kind of make it over Look the shoulder like shots or it's just like literally the back of their head i'm the whole a, time. i'm fine with that. i'd rather that than de-aging wouldn't you but like yeah
1: yeah um yeah like dragon ball z is one of those shows where it's like returning to it it never felt like a chore and it was so addictive watching that when i've only had a couple sittings with it but in each sitting i got around like I think, like, 16 episodes finished in, like, one go. And it was, yeah. it was like, I need to literally, like, force myself to do other things or, you know, go to bed or do something else. It's so easy to watch. And the action is still incredible and very cinematic, but also clever in how it constructs the choreography. I think there are moments that, like, you know, we were talking about, like, death doesn't really mean anything in the same way that like death doesn't mean anything for a lot of superhero (laughs) movies, but there are moments that kind of catch you off guard. Like, Oh, totally. I think when Frieza kills Dende, I was kind of like, you know, Frieza had already been set up as a cold-blooded monster, but when he just—he already pers- killed
0: Vegeta at that point, right? No, that was before. He I
1: think that Vegeta. was that was before because because yeah. Frieza kills Dende because Dende has healing. Powers. But even
0: how he kills Vegeta is pretty brutal too. Oh yeah,
1: it? but but at the t- like when he when he does kill Dende though, it's like holy shit! Like Frieza will kill a child. Just like, he does yeah. not care what completely mercs that dude man like and
0: and then when he kills krillin i think was like when i was like oh god damn i forgot he fucking made krillin explode (laughs) like oh my god like and it comes out of nowhere too where freezes like enough of this bullshit and basically like makes krillin explode and i'm like Oh my god! And then that's when he kills. He kills Krillin and, and Vegeta. Or I feel like so.
1: So he kills Dende, Vegeta, and then Goku and then, gets there, and then Goku and, then, and 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 Frieza fight for a while, and, and then, then he kills yeah,
0: Krillin. Krillin, and Piccolo, right? Or he shoots Piccolo, but he shoots Piccolo.
1: Him. Piccolo's still alive because I think. I think partly why Piccolo survived that encounter is because he fused with nails, which is also something that's really important to keep in mind yeah um it's, I know about the fusion dance and stuff like that um well, this isn't the fusion dance, though because I know when when, when fusing Namekians, like, yeah when Namekians do it, it's like it's different, yeah it's permanent, it's almost yeah. like you become a different person, yeah
0: um but I know characters confuse and stuff like that. And I know the Android saga is coming up, so I'm excited about that. But yeah, man, I've, I've had a blast. Even that first Saiyan saga, like kicking it off and finding more about Goku's people and, 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 and stuff like that. Like there's a new intro to this version of the show where they give kind of more
1: backstory about the Saiyans and things like that. But, which um, is amazing when mm -hmm. master Roshi talks about that story. And then at the end of it, and it's like, Goku's like, and that child was me. And It's like, of course, it was you. It was your grandfather that <laughs> found Goku's
0: you, always been you. a little, you know. He's he's just.
1: It, it, oh, he I love it. Him. I think yeah. it's it's funny though. <laughs> yeah, no, like it also crazy. is a genuinely funny show at times. Like there are moments that are, I don't want to say necessarily lighthearted, but you know, like beyond the sexist humor. But there there are things that are like the slapstick works. I think that there are kind of goofy side kind of quests that kind of work as well i like the idea of just you know bulma trying to make the best of oh, being God. on them bulma
0: just being there the whole time is like i i get that you need that maybe like a kind of a human character yeah because uh, well, also with I know what Krillin goes on with life. with
1: with her with um i i feel like part of her arc there is the stuff with um The Ginyu frog, you know? Yeah, yeah, Um, for sure. Which would have been uh, better if Goku had switched bodies with the frog, because then you could call him Kroku, so. um, And that,
0: we (laughs) will wrap the show, everyone. Uh, We will be talking about more Dragon Ball in the future. Probably not for a little while, because Tiff is coming up. Will I watch more Dragon Ball? I've said I'm taking a break until after Tiff. I finished the Frieza saga. It's a nice point to pause i have other things to do other movies to watch video games to play part of me wants to keep watching so it's a good bedtime show eric like you know when i'm when i'm done everything at the end of the day it's like 18 minutes in and out because you can just skip over the credits and then the end credits and the next on dragon ball z all that stuff um next time on on dragon Dragon ball Ball z Z um I skip all that stuff usually. So I just forward, you go to that one minute 40 mark and you pretty much hit like when the title screen comes on and then you can skip the end credits and you're like 18 minutes in and out in an episode. So like when I finally lie down in bed at the end of the day, like I, some, I can't just like close my eyes and go to sleep. So I'm like, what better thing to watch than seven episodes of Dragon Ball and then I stay up till two in the morning
1: um so <laughs> it's like, the next day you're still up and it's like yep yeah, making good so, use of that time who needs sleep
0: yeah exactly um but the schedule will look a little different uh over the next couple weeks um you should be getting a tiff preview show um next week right before the festival um where eric and i will talk about you know maybe some of those films that we pre-screen that we're allowed to talk about um we'll talk about you know our most anticipated films at the festival what our schedules are looking like all that kind of stuff we'll just be, do a big preview of tiff uh on this show next week and then we'll take a break from this show um for at least two weeks um as we focus over on untitled movie reviews on all of our TIFF reviews. So uh, we will bookend this episode talking about our plans, but uh, we'll have reviews going up constantly throughout, you know, September 8th to the 18th. And even that week leading up to the 8th uh, of TIFF. And we should have, you know, 30, 40 reviews. Oh, what, like those should be spread out over, you know, two, three weeks. Some even coming after the festival, obviously, but um You know, uh, make sure you're subscribed over on podcast services at Untitled Movie Reviews or on YouTube at Untitled Movie Podcasts. Um, We are going to be doing audio only versions. Um, We will put those up on YouTube for people who just like to use that and play those in the background and, and things like that. But... Um, we'll be running and gunning, just recording reviews in Tim Hortons or a lobby of a building or a Popeye's or a, a, Popeyes or a, ice, uh, a gelato patio where Eric fell asleep last year. <laughs> and like, it's going to be fun. And I like the kind of run and gun kind of record on the go kind of thing. So, um, I'm really excited. So untitled movie reviews is where you're going to find all of that stuff. Uh, if you want a one-stop shop for everything, Uh, head over to Letterboxd, which is untitled underscore movies. I will try to keep that updated during the festival. Um, We'll try to post about all of these things. There might be kind of maybe one post at the end of the day with all the reviews. I don't know. We still got to figure all that stuff out because it's going to be... I mean, social media posts we can kind of run and gun while we're waiting for movies to start and things like that. I don't know. It's going to be wild, but it's going to we we will figure it out as we go. So uh, we're dipping our toes in. Fan Expo dipped our toes in. It was a big public event. Uh, we started screening movies this week, dipped our toes in. Um, so I'm hoping we kind of ease our way back into this, even though I know we're not going to be easing our way back into it. We'll just cannonball. Canon Dragon Ball into the to, to into quote the uh,
1: carl Weathers and, uh Happy Gilmore it's all in the hips it's all in the hips uh, yeah
0: sure all right everyone <laughs> uh, as always uh, my name is Matt roerbeck you can find more of my work around the internet uh, mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com dot com um, but you can also catch my work on season four of Family Feud Canada which will start to air on September the twelfth four days a week Monday through Thursday uh 7 p.m maybe 7 30 um on cbc uh in canada or cbc gem uh so make sure you guys check that out and if you go ooh, this is a good question they don't display the question send me a video of the question and say this was a good question and i'll take credit for it whether i wrote it or not so
1: <laughs> you'll never know <laughs> kakarot
0: uh, Eric, go ahead.
1: Oh, no. There's one other oh. thing you got to mention. Uh, you had a podcast appearance uh, not too long ago on Comic Boys.
0: I did. I went on Comic Boys. You guys can go check that out on uh, their YouTube uh, channel. I'm going to pull that up right now. Um, thank you for plugging that, Eric. You guys can follow me on all those social medias um, at, I was going to say EM6 uh, 211. Hey, that's my um, line. But it's at Matt Rorebeck i just want to make sure because you
1: were part of the uh the canadian uh bonus episode where you talked about the show and film criticism as a whole and um you know just your interest uh, in movie going and how it's changed over the years and where it began and where it is now
0: yes so i joined uh khalil jamal over on comic boys you guys can check that out on uh their uh youtube channel which is comic boys or uh, i believe on podcast services as well um so go check that out it was a fun conversation talked about yeah film criticism uh what my thoughts are on um jurassic world and the jurassic franchise and a lot of other random shit i don't even know what i said you know when you like black out and you're just like i have no idea what i even talked about um but had a good time good kid so that was fun
1: yeah it was a good episode and and you know if you want a, a truncated version of of our show go and listen to that episode because it's a breezy hour 12 minutes i think <laughs> yeah. so and
0: that was i think long for him yeah
1: yeah uh, but it is a very good We're episode also on and, and
0: dave Voigt's podcast soon i don't know when that's going on yeah
1: i mean we'll we'll keep you posted Busy boys in, busy boys uh, busy busy boys in a busy time um i'm eric martin you can find more of my video reviews including george miller's latest uh three thousand years of longing is on- it Rogers. mad max fury road no uh if, so that is uh available on uh rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and i can be found on all the social medias at em6211 until next time mondo cool